Welcome to Ancient Answers, our program that discusses current and modern challenges by referencing the words of ancient thinkers that deal with similar matters of the human condition. My name is Shane. And I'm Gordon. And today, today's a very auspicious day. Well, it's an auspicious <laughs> topic. It yeah. turned out to be the first topic that we recorded last year. Uh, yeah, I believe it was. Yep. And we're revisiting this year. And today is... It is, it is March 15th, also known as the Ides of March. Oh, yes. For those that are history lovers, we all know and we all dearly remember our dearly departed Julius Caesar. <laughs> so an auspicious day to talk about assassinations. And, and, and just as a throwback, it was March 15th last year that we decided to record an episode about assassinations. So it this, was might, the, this might be an annual thing. Who knows? It was the first episode we actually recorded. Yeah. Uh, and the funny thing about this is we're going to take back a little bit of a retroflect effect. Ugh. We're going to look back on the episode we did and kind of have a little second thought about a couple of things and a little bit of an expansion because there is this assumption that assassinations completely carve out different directions in history. And I'm going to present the thought that, radical as this may be, that maybe... With maybe one or two exceptions, assassinations don't really change the direction of history. They may have just got in the way. Uh, now, I am open for debate. Mm -hmm. So obviously to anybody listening, you're welcome to contact us through social media and state your opinion. Don't swear. Just, you know. <laughs> keep it clean. Keep, keep it, it simple. Keep it clean. But we're open to it. You know, with the assassin or the famous assassinations in ancient history really that big a deal? In conjunction, and we're going to bring up the, the topic of some of the more current assassinations that have taken place in many cases within our lifetime, and did they have a similar impact on society? Now, now, now I find this particularly interesting because this idea that we're discussing this time essentially completely flies in the face of what we recorded a year ago, where we were pretty much arguing the opposite. We did. <laughs> we did. But I'm going to play a little bit of a devil's advocate on this one oh, because... Boy. There is a lot of thought about assassinations. I mean, we have seen within a lifetime, uh, you know, John F. Kennedy, we saw his brother, we've seen Malcolm X, we've seen Indira Gandhi, uh, we've seen attempts at uh, President Reagan and others, and it depends. Sometimes you see lists, you know, the top 10, you know, greatest assassinations of the 20th century and so on. And they'll put in there John Lennon, and although I find that one a tragic one, mm -hmm. I'm not sure that that changed the course of history. Uh, it just snuffed out a very talented musician, which we miss his music. But um, I'm not trying to be hard-nosed about it, but you know, do, did a, some assassinations really change what could have been the direction of history? We all know that if some assassinations had happened, that history might have changed. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we all, the most proverbial one is, what if someone had assassinated Hitler oh, in yeah, the 1930s? Yeah. Well, that would have changed history. Yeah. And what if Archduke, uh, Archduke Ferdinand? Ferdinand had not been assassinated in 1914? Yeah, that, <laughs> would World War One have kicked yeah, off? Exactly. I, I, my suspicion is that a war of some type would have happened because the Europeans were just itching yeah. and looking for anything to set off the trigger. However, had that not specifically happened, Mm, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it would not have been. It would have been a different war. Mm -hmm. I would assume. Yeah. But we'll we're going to rotate the time back into ancient and see whether in the ancient sort of answers idea were there assassinations that would have made a difference or 
did history just continue on more or less in a pathway that uh, unaffected by particular deaths? Now we're going to kind of do this a little bit in chronological order, and I'll I'll uh, I'll, I'll sort of start off here is the the one society, ancient Sumeria, ancient Akkad definitely had assassinations. We are aware of about four of their uh, major leaders, of four of about 20 leaders that seemed to die unwillingly at some point. And uh, however, it didn't seem to really alter the course of the arc of their societies. They were much more affected by the drop of, uh, well, the salinization of water and agricultural challenges and the acquisition of materials through trade that got dro you know, dropped off because of other conflicts and so on. But ancient Egypt would be a good place to start. Roughly in the 3,000 years of Egyptian history, aside from some breaks in the different dynasties, there are three notable assassinations. It didn't really change the arc of Egyptian Egyptian history uh, it became much different after the Greeks took over ruling, uh, where out of 21 rulers in 300 years, you had seven that died unwillingly. Unwillingly. Un I'll use the word unwillingly. Because <laughs> believe it or not, there's still some debate whether some of these people were actually assassinated mm -hmm. or they just, they died or did someone take claim on an assassination for mm. a political gain. We definitely know that oh, one of the Ptolemy rulers uh, died and someone claimed it in order to acquire the crown but oh. the throne well let's say the throne not the crown but yeah um but uh, that's part of the stuff like that that's interesting that y you could go that long in history with that few very violent uh toppling of leaders now one of them was ramses the mm third -hmm. uh which whose body was recently re-exhumed and studied and Actually, there's quite an article online and a good YouTube video that explains a bit of a murder mystery that goes back, you know, several, a few thousand years. A few thousand years, <laughs> I guess, uh, 3,200 years. Um, I thought that was remarkable that they were able to figure out that, no, he didn't really die of natural causes. Uh, another character uh, is, of course, King Tut, Tutankhamun. Um, there's always been a thought that maybe he died, although there is an equal camp. Sorry, died of, of... He definitely died. There's he, no sorry, argument he there. Died. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'll finish my sentence. That's correct. Um, he died uh, violently. He was maybe murdered. Uh, but then the, the part of the thought is that he was someone who had a disfigurement. Okay. And therefore, he did not present a perfect state of physical being, which would kind of go against the thought that if you're Pharaoh and blessed by the gods, you yeah. should have some perfect physical attributes well because the my understanding is with the pharaohs of egypt it's similar to the emperors in china where it was a divine mandate you were, you were right. a divine being to be the pharaoh or the emperor or what have you so that's for right. someone with a physical disfigurement to be a divine being just wouldn't have made a lot of sense to the egyptian mindset i mean certainly his father's statues are odd looking at best yeah uh and his father's uh, you know one god religion and the kind of strange as this revolution took place so it may have been the case there uh regardless Tutankhamun did die prematurely approximately age 20 i believe it was uh and if it wasn't for the fact that being a minor pharaoh and he got buried sort of out of the way 
in the Valley of the Kings, it was missed by the mm-hmm. tomb robbers. So that's why when it was found in 1922, it's such a big deal because it was intact. Yeah. Uh, but again, as an impact on history, no, not much. That's my that's my preposition here that it didn't make a difference. The flow of history was just going to go on uh, as it was. Now China, we just mentioned it. Yep. Interesting. This is going to be different. Okay. Yes, there were Chinese emperors that died. Yeah. Again, there was a couple of dynasties that wrapped up with a couple of short murders, and they were more of a politically motivated, military orientated, and and so on. However, there is an interesting point I want to bring up with the very first recognized emperor, uh, Xing Shi Huang. Uh, so he's the one responsible for building the the terracotta warriors. Okay. Yeah. And also the great mountain tomb that's there near. Xi'an in China, uh, that is basically a hill, much like the the hills you get in uh, Stone Age England, mm-hmm. uh, buried. And he's buried in there, and reported in a in a, a map of China, and it's made with liquid mercury. So that's why they don't want to open it up. If you open it up, uh, it would be kind of poisonous. Yeah. Oh, kind of. <laughs> but we understand he was paranoid about assassinations. Because there was a several attempts on him uh, after uniting sort of the little kingdoms of China. And he spent inordinate amounts to protect himself. So much so that it affected the decision-making process that he did. So that when he died and his son reigned for a short period of time, he was usurped. And then the or the originators of the Han Dynasty come into power. Sorry for that. Uh, and... So you wonder, did his paranoia of being assassination alter history because it set in motion this idea of an emperor being this splendid person of divine character, not just the most successful conqueror? Okay, so so before him, he, it was just sort of looked at as, like you said, the most successful conqueror, and then it was with his paranoia with all of this that that attitude changed? Yeah, like, he certainly promoted that he was of a divine nature because he had brought together, uh, you know, fragmented pieces of China. There was 1.12 yeah. different sort of recognized kingdoms with yeah. different leaders. Uh, he brought it together. His personality, he's a remarkable person to study. Yeah. Just a force of nature in many ways. But his appeal against the assassination attempts on him, which result in these two great monuments, also carried forward the concept that the emperor was a sacrosanct person and should never be touched. That, I'm going to argue, would change history because it altered the social structure of China's uh, relationship of the common people to an emperor who became a demigod. Remember... Roman emperors were seen by their people. They would go to the games. They would mm-hmm. walk through the streets, and they would stuff. They had bodyguards and stuff. Yeah, like but that. but they were meant to participate in everything. They were meant to still be part of the Roman populace. That's right. They also died in higher numbers. Yes, unwillingly, <laughs> drastically but, higher. But they were seen by the people. Where the the vast history of China is, the emperors were seclusive yeah. and away from people. I surmise that perhaps the setting set by the very first emperor may have set in passion and the cultural norms of yeah. the Chinese people was to keep them separate and protected by keeping them out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not out of mind, but out of sight yeah. of the common people. 
Therefore, it would have altered history because, and this is my argument, it created a sense where the emperors were withdrawn in many cases from the decision-making process and yet entrusted with the decision-making process that would result in errors being made for the next 3,000 years, uh, sorry, 2,000 years, and resulted in other dynasty changes. Because although China did not have anywhere the consistent war-like situation of Europe, particularly after the fall of the Roman Empire into the modern era, where it was war after war after war. Granted, the Romans, <laughs> in their 700 roughly years of, of existence in the West, not counting the, the, the Byzantines, the Byzantines yeah. who are extraordinary, and we'll get to them in an episode coming up in the future. Uh, I believe the Romans closed the gates of Janus five times? Yeah, it was, like, was, mean, it was an astonishingly small amount of peace throughout and, their time. And that means when they closed the gates, they were not at war. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, the doors were wide open. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, there were only a handful of years during the whole breadth of the of the Western Roman Republican Empire, the doors of the Temple of Janus were actually closed. That's right. China, on the other hand, and this is a generalization, yeah. they had far less wars. It wasn't yeah. that they didn't have insurrections here and there, but they tended to be snuffed out yeah. when there were dynasties in play. However, in the inter-dynasty periods, when they did have wars, they were biggies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they sort of made up for lost time. They that was, certainly that one did. one way to look at it. Uh, there, I mean... Of all the ancient battles fought by different peoples prior to the year, let's say roughly 800 AD, uh, so from 3000 BC to 800 AD, uh, the largest land battle, actually the largest two land battles in terms of sheer death, were both in China, yeah. both during periods in between dynasties when large forces were amassed and were fought. One is the Battle of the Red Cliffs. I, I was about to ask if that was one, yeah. That's one. I mean, I've seen estimates that as many as 300,000 may have died. Jeez. Partly because the ships sank. Mm -hmm. They were part of the naval contingency oh, with yes. the forces. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but then again, you know, if you were to add up the Romans' fight against Hannibal, mm -hmm. and you added up in total the losses that they incurred, you were getting close to 200,000. Yeah total of death. Now that was over three years. So, you know, this is what's interesting about assassinations is how many of these things set off military conflicts, how many military conflicts were already in play, mm -hmm. and so on. Well, and, and just with the topic of sort of comparing sort of Roman emperors and assassinations versus Chinese emperors and the lack of assassinations, and the whole divine mandate. There's certainly less assassinations. Yeah, yeah, far fewer. Um, or whether they would admit it. Yeah, that's another thing. Actually, that's a good point as well, is that, you, do, you know, even if a Chinese emperor was assassinated, if this is meant to be a divine being, a rep representative of a deity, how quick are you going to be admit. to admit that, yeah, some random Joe, Joe Schmo walked in and stabbed him or what happened? Or even a family member betrayed yeah, them. someone, yeah. Yeah, especially a family member. Yeah. That is, you know, familiar loyalty is... Yeah. A, that's Very. paramount, yeah. And I just wonder too if, uh, if with the the whole the, the psychology behind Chinese civilization versus Roman civilization, where as we mentioned, the Chinese had their emperors as divine beings, whereas Roman emperors were meant to be very much Roman citizens. Now, elevated Roman citizens, and there was certainly an element of of deification as as time went on, but but very very much expected to participate and be Roman. Now, I wonder if that psychology just sort of decided, well, we can assassinate him because he's just a person. 
versus we can't assassinate there him is, there because is, he's divided. I wonder if that might have played some kind of factor in it. You've got well. a good point. As time went on, as we got into the 200s and 300s uh, of Roman history, the, the emperors were starting to be deified in a kind of a unique way. Yeah. Uh, but certainly at the beginning, it was a little less so. They yeah. were seen as CEOs. Yeah, essentially. Kind of stuff the like first that. class citizen. Whereas, so. yeah, right from the beginning, Chinese emperors were seen as special characters. Yeah. Now, if you go to places like Greece, Greece certainly had its mm. fair share of assassinations. But it was never really united. It was always city-states. Yeah, yeah, when they were threatened, they would seem to get together and they'd fight off whatever foreign invaders came along, like the Persians and stuff. And they certainly... You know, against the Romans in their final uh, uh, final battles before the Romans took over. By the way, a war that is often overlooked that went on for 50 years. Yeah. Uh, yes, lots of assassinations. Now, the one assassination I'm going to pick out that actually is a tragedy was Archimedes. Yeah. When he was killed by an unknown Roman soldier who burst into his home during the invasion of Syracuse uh, and killed him just as, a, you know, as a, as a civilian uh, assassin, uh, death assassination, we lost one of the greatest scientists of the of the, of the ancient world. Of the yeah. ancient world, and you know, had worked on was working on a number of different things that may have really contributed as well. We also know that his home was ransacked, and mm -hmm. it was a depository of a number of writings that had been held, and that's also a great loss of that one uh, as well. But as assassination, even though it's not a political character, it was a great loss and it would have changed history because there is thought that it set back some of the scientific thinking yeah. for a little while. And yeah, that, well. that, that makes a lot of sense when you're losing one of the greatest scientific minds of, of the age along with all of his his works and yeah. everything that he was discussed. So it's, it's one thing, I would argue that if if he himself would have died, but then someone would have picked up his legacy and carried on with it that maybe it might not have had a tremendous effect on history but i think it was the combination of the two of losing the man himself as well as all of his research and all of his notes and and his home and all of it combined that uh that really would have set things back and, I mean, and made a profound change on history exactly i mean we were left with ptolemy and mm -hmm. particularly his observations of celestial mechanics uh but of course his idea that the earth is the center of the universe Understandable. It kind of looks that way when you look out. Mm -hmm. But, you know, other thoughts like Archimedes were looking at that problem and may have provided a bit more scientific insight. That would have changed the, the role of scientific history. Oh, yeah, actually. No, maybe not political history so much, but not. Yeah. But finally, in terms of finishing off this episode, where I'm going to shift back to the, the heart of assassination, <laughs> ancient Rome, where, oh boy. just to give you a number, of the 32 emperors, after from Marcus Aurelius to Constantine, there were 32, at least recognized. Yeah, 32 emperors? Yeah, yeah 26 died unwillingly. <laughs> I love that term, died unwillingly. Even Gordanius III <laughs> died. Uh, um, no, it's, it's, and in fact, it's just a, a blur of deaths. Yeah. Uh, as these barracks emperors, as they were called, came and went. Uh, even um, the Severan uh, dynasty of the, th you know, all three of them died, at least they believe all three of them died uh, of a, some type of assassination or murder, yeah. some type. 
And it was too bad because that dynasty, only three, uh, had great promise. Mm -hmm. They were not the kind of typical fold. They may have avoided the whole fracture breakdown between 240 and 280. Uh, we all give Diocletian and when he, the full credit that he came in and absolutely reorganized the empire. But he also set the empire on a path that itself would, would eventually change history. Yeah. Uh, it would eventually weaken the West to the point where it would, you know, it would only be 150 years later that it would fall apart and be taken over by the forces. Now, granted, forces included things like the Huns yeah, and the Germanic tribes that were sort of after, you know, they were, they were I mean, the, we'll call them Germanics. The Germanics and the Romans had fought a 600-year ongoing war just mm -hmm. over and over and over again. Meanwhile... As mentioned before, the Romans and the Parthians and the Persians were fighting a 700-year war no. on the Far East. However, assassinations, did it really make a difference? And, and that before we started recording this episode, we were talking about it and how, you know, to use Greece as, a, as an example, to kind of go back there, is because Greece was a series of fractured city-states. I mean, I think we mentioned in, in an episode last season that there were over 100 City states yeah, that rule yeah. various areas. So I mean, so one guy dies. Okay. Yeah, like you, you, you pop a new one into the into the ruling leadership and sort of carry on business as usual. And and Gord even mentioned in this insane time period in Roman history where they went through they went through Roman emperors like laundry. I mean, and just who's you, the you emperor just, this month? Exactly. <laughs> you just sort of. Now I will say that the Romans may not have invented assassination, but I think they did it better than anyone else. They did it. Um, but just yeah, there. I think that there is a pretty strong argument to be made, with exceptions, of course, that uh, there are a lot of times where assassination, yeah, it shifted power. It had a lot of minuscule effect on the individuals. And okay, well now I'm in charge, or this family's in charge, or whatnot. But when you look at the greater scheme of history. I think I think it would be a solid argument that for the most part things just sort of kept on going the same way they already were. So just to conclude, let me just bring a couple of modern assassinations okay. of the 20th century in particular, yep. and just make a just a little mental thought. Did the de death of John F. Kennedy substantially change the arc of American history? Yes, you could argue the Vietnam War. There might have been issues. Johnson came in. He increased the uh, troop deployment in Vietnam, but now we're looking back 50-some-odd years later. Can we argue that there's anything that would have dreamed so drastically different had John F. Kennedy fulfilled his at least one term? Uh, not sure. Um, India suffered, of course, two assassinations, mm -hmm. Indira Gandhi and her son, and then uh, Benito... Oh, sorry, mispronounced it. She was the president of, of uh, Pakistan. Mm. Both countries continue on their development arc. They're still intact. They're still in place. They've got robust governmental systems. Mm -hmm. Again, the Romans had them too. So I think that they, they, no, I don't think that they actually had had a long-term effect. They're sad events. Yes, of course. Tra it's tragedy, right? Tragedy like it's whenever someone's you know, killed unexpectedly like that and that coldly. It's, a, it's an unfortunate tragedy. Uh, but in terms of greater historical scope, is there a strong argument to be made that things changed all that much? Yeah, I mean, if you go back in time and say, what about uh, Nicholas II of Russia in 1919? Mm -hmm. When he was his family were murdered, that was a terrible assassination. That was a murder assassination. Yeah. 
unnecessary. Did it change history? No, he was already out of office. Yeah. The, the, the communists were already in charge. They were already... Yeah, the SARS were already finished, essentially. It was already done. Yeah. So, interesting arguments. We welcome your comments about this. Yeah, please. Did, I mean, do you think there is a particular assassination? Now, we didn't really make big reference of Julius Caesar's assassination, but we can reference it. If it had not happened, would it have changed, in this case, Roman history or any other event in the ancient yeah. past? Could a little nudge in the ancient history have changed things so much that we would live in like the uh, butterfly effect oh, yeah. to our world today? Would it have affected us today? We welcome your comments. Leave it on social media. And we always recognize we'll answer that one back. And we may readdress this issue a year from now. Yeah, who knows? And rethink about assassinations on March uh, 15th next year. Yeah, <laughs> of 2022. There we go. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to this episode. We'll catch you. Uh, enjoy your social media. I'm Gordon. And I'm Shane. And thank you for listening to another issue of Ancient Answers. Mm-hmm.